Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Now, for all the Bible scholars in the room, you've been taught for years that when it comes to reading the Bible, there are certain principles, certain practices that you can employ that will help you to understand contextually what the Bible is saying. And typically, when uh, the word we is used, it's primarily talking to what type of people? Christians. So when I say this morning, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, if you're here and you're a Christian, I want you to know God has given you this ministry. Every saved person that ever lived, that has ever, that ever is ever is living and will ever live, has been given this ministry of reconciliation. If you study this text, you will find out the plurality of this we, and I hope that you're in that number. I hope that you're part of the we of Scripture. But as we look at God's Word today, I want us to see six things, and I'm going to move quickly. I'm going to talk fast, and I want you to listen fast. We're, we're going to see that uh, we don't live for ourselves anymore. We're going to see that we, we need to be careful how we view each other. Thirdly, we're, we're all new people. Fourth, that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Fifth, that we're his ambassadors. And sixth, that we're only right with God because of him. Let's get into this. In verse 14 of our text, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Uh, Paul begins by saying, either way, comma. Paul's on the punctuation. Take the Bible, slow it down. Read it in bite-sized pieces so you can get it in and understand it. He said, either way. He was talking about some contrasting things in in the first 13 verses of chapter 5. And he gets to verse 14, and it says, either way. If if I wanted just to preach and and motivate and emotionalize you this morning, I would have just preached on those two words, either way. Some of y'all ain't been in in church long enough. Uh, Some of y'all don't don't even know where a real preacher would go with either way. Some of y'all don't even understand how a whole message could be made out of either way. But in the mind of a believer who's been through some stuff, you understand either way, I'm going to serve the Lord. Either way, God's going to come through for me. Either way, God's still worth praising. Either way, we're still on the winning team. Either way. We need to have an either-way mindset. We let the world sidetrack us. We let little issues step in front of us. Listen, the devil can't, he, he can't stop you, but he can slow you down. He, 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 he can't halt you, but he can hinder you. And the reality is most of us allow ourselves to get slowed down and stumbled by what's in between our own ears. We, we focus on things that, that mess us up, that slow us down, when in reality, we ought to have an either way. Let me tell you what every pastor in America thought this morning, uh, or every pastor in North Florida thought this morning when, when they got on the street and started driving into church. And I don't care how many times they've told themselves, 
uh, don't matter how many people show up. I don't care how well they're trained. I don't care how much they love the Lord and do it for God and, and not for anything else. They all thought, really? Raining on a Sunday morning. And the first thing they're thinking is uh, rain makes everything grow but the church. First thing they're thinking is it only takes five drops of rain to scare off 90% of the church crowd. But then I was rejoicing on my drive after I flushed that out of my mind this morning. And, and you know what two words I thought? Either way, we're going to have a hallelujah good time. Either way, God is still on the throne. Either way. Y'all make me want to preach either way, but I got somewhere to go. Uh, get you an either way mindset. Get you a, listen, parents, when your children are driving you crazy, get you an either way mindset. When life's not working out for you, get, when the boss who is more stupid than everybody that works in the department and is messing you up and bothering you and riding you, get you an either way mindset. Y'all not hearing me. I'm going to keep going. God said either way, Christ's love controls us, period. Now, there are things in the Bible, and y'all know, because I just like to be honest and I like to expose myself. Gail used to tell me, uh, but when she was alive, she used to say, baby, quit making yourself sound so crazy from the pulpit. You say stuff that make you sound like a nut job, and then people look at me like, why did you marry this crazy man? But I, I, and I told her, I just try to be transparent. I try to let people know if God can use somebody as dysfunctional as me, um, that, that God can use anybody. But, but I remember my, my boy, uh, I'm pretty sure my guy, I, I love Stephen Curtis Chapman. And, and Stephen Curtis Chapman sang a song that said, there's a little Lazarus in all of us. And uh, Lazarus, when he was raised from the dead, he still had grave clothes on. And a lot of us have been raised from the dead and we walk around with grave clothes on. A lot of us have truly died to our old way of life, come alive in Christ, but we still step around not, not actively being dead to our old way of life. And we need to make sure that, that we understand that the life that God's given us is new. Say new. There's an old life and there's a new life. But the verse says, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our old way of life. There is a plurality. There, there is a group inside this that God is talking about when he says all. The trick of the devil is to get you to think that you're different. The trick of the devil is to get you to think that you're isolated. The trick of the devil is to get Vicky to think that she cares more because she cares a lot. The trick of the devil, I'm exposing for you today. Not that you're dealing with this. This is an example for everybody else. But the trick of the devil would be to get Vicky to believe that nobody but her cares about the food and clothing ministry. The, the trick of the devil for, for, for Deacon Dixon, because uh, Deacon Dixon's up here more than, than, than anybody uh, that, that ain't, ain't on regular paid paycheck. He don't make a dime for anything he does, but he's up here all the time. The trick of the devil would be to get you to think, I'm the only person in the world using my own personal vehicle. I, don't even, I, ain't even, I, I went to school, but got my license, passed the exam, state certified, didn't even take a job just so I could work at the church and, and be up here. Nobody loves this church as much as I. That's the trick of the devil. The, the, the trick of the devil is, is, is for people who work in the nursery to get them to think, I'm the only person that even cares about these children. When, when the enemy takes you out of your allness, 
When the enemy takes you out of your commonality with the brothers and sisters in Christ, when the enemy takes you out and makes you think that there's something special going on in you, you become a target. And you better get inside your allness. You better get inside your oneness. You better get inside and realize that the struggles that are in you are in your brethren throughout the world. You better get inside and realize that the same Jesus that died for you and gave you salvation died for your brothers and sisters in Christ and gave them salvation too. You better understand it wasn't nothing special that you did that made God love you. He died for us all. Nothing we did to receive salvation. It's not because of what we do. It's only because of what he did. In verse 15, it goes on to say, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. I hope that you realize that the death of Jesus Christ must be personally received. He died for everyone. But there's a group of people out there that received his new life. And this group of people that receive his new life no longer live for themselves. Now here's a little self-check. Because the scripture says examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Here's a little self-check so you can know if you're moving in the right direction. You ready? I'll say it like I feel it. Who you living for? Who you living for? Who are you? I'll clean it up for the grammar Nazis. Who are you living for? The scripture says that, that th this group of people, which group? The ones who realize he died for them, which group? The ones who realize who received his new life, that, that they no longer live for themselves. And if we could get to the place where we would stop living for ourselves, we would begin to grow in Christ at an exponential level. We would begin to grow in Christ. And, and become all that he wants us to be. I remember the very first week I got saved. Some of y'all know my testimony and how I went to church uh, for over three weeks every day in a row right after I first got saved because the church always had something going on back then. I walked in aisle, made my public profession on a Sunday morning uh, that, that God has saved me. I came back to church on a Sunday night. The next night they had a Bible study, and Bob Lynch and Tommy Amon, my sister knows them, uh, were doing... Uh, a, a youth Bible study together, a young person's Bible study together, and they had hauled a coffin into the youth room. They built a, it was a makeshift coffin. They built it out of plywood. They did a good job with it. Uh, but they, they talked about dying to yourself, coming alive to Christ, and, uh, man, this, this hit me. It, 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 was the first, it was the first youth Bible study I'd ever been to as a Christian. And they made us, at some point, each person, one by one, we had to walk up, into the coffin and look in the coffin and see who God wants there. Go up there and look in it and see who God wants there. Now, if you're forward thinking and creative, you've already figured out they had a full-length mirror in that coffin. And when you look down in it, that was your face looking back at you. God wants us to die to ourselves and come alive to him. But as long as you're so wholeheartedly in love with you and think you're extra and think you're special and think you're better and think you're isolated and you're not in your allness and you're not in your oneness and you're not believing in God for everything that he has for you, you're not going to die to yourself and come alive for him. You're not going to allow yourself to do what he's called us to do, which is the first point if you're taking notes up this morning. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We don't live for ourselves anymore.
If you are still living for yourself, one of two things is going on in your life. Either you're not truly saved or you're saved and you're living outside of where God wants you to be. Because I know there are a lot of us, and many times in my life, I, I live for my own self. Any, any, anybody other than me, is that just me? I, 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 just, I just do me. Uh, I just give folk a piece of my mind. I just say what's on my head. And listen, the world doesn't need to see us. The world needs to see Christ through us. And the only way that can happen is if we don't live for ourselves anymore. Well, I'm mad. Okay, stop being mad. Well, I'm bitter. Uh, listen, there are people in this room that still have not let go of, of things that happened to them a million years ago. I, and I'm telling, listen, I'm not telling you what I heard. I know how hard it is to struggle when, when you've been hurt. I've been hurt in my own life, and I have to forgive and then re-forgive. I, I've got some people that have done me so wrong, I've, 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 I find myself forgiving them, and then anybody besides me ever have it crawl back on them? Just, just well back up in you? And then, and then you got to decide all over again, I ain't going to live for me. One, one, one of the greatest moments of real Christianity in my life, and, 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 and Dina remembers this, when, when our stepfather used to come and, and get his, uh, his son every Saturday, and he wasn't allowed in our house because my mom hated him. It took her long enough to hate him. Finally, they, they got done with each other because uh, it was an abusive and horrible situation. But he would come, and he wasn't allowed in the house, and, and Mark was ah, seven years old at the time, uh, six, almost seven. And he would honk the horn, and our little brother would go outside and ride off with his dad. And so after I got saved, the summer I got saved, God put it in my heart to, because sometimes Mark wouldn't be ready, and, or, or he'd show up soon, and, and uh, he'd honk the horn. And I started going out there witnessing to him. And I started going out there trying to be nice to this man who had never been nice to me. And uh, it was one of the greatest shining moments of real Christianity in my life. I came in the house one, one day, Mark left, and I waved goodbye to both of them. And I came back in, and my mom was so mad. And she said, why do you go out there and be nice to that man after everything he did to us? And I said, and I want you to get this. I said, Mom, God has shown me if he could forgive me for all that I put his son through on the cross, I can forgive that man for everything that he's done to us. Now, does that mean that from that moment on, there wasn't times when I wanted to chop his head off with a chainsaw? Oh, preachers can't say that. Uh, that, 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 I, that I didn't feel warm and fuzzy? No, but this thing is a continual lifestyle of saying, I ain't going to live for me today. Uh, you might have lived for you yesterday. You might have lived for yourself an hour ago. But you got to make a point, a decision at some point that says, I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to live for Christ. Verse 16 says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, period. That's a whole mouthful right there. That makes me say, hmm. Have we really? Have we really stopped evaluating others from a human point of view? Have, see, this, and so I look at that and I think, hmm. I know folk evaluate me from a human point of view. And then worse, I know I evaluate others from a human point of view many times. But the plan of God is sure, and it's right, and it's the way it should be. And hear me well, God wants us to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. I, I, can, I can look at 
Elder Jimmy, and I can see, I, I can see good things in his life, and I can see things in his life that need work. Right, Nancy? <laughs> she was nodding before I even got it out of my mouth. Uh, it, it, he blames it all on me. She blames it all on me, too. She tells him sometimes, stop acting like your pastor. Um, but I could look at him, and, and I could see, I, I, if I just see him as a human being, as, as nothing more than a flesh and bone human being, then I can evaluate him one way. But if I look at him and I say, there's a man that loves God, and God loves him. There's a man that's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and God sees him as his child. Listen, no father wants you putting your mouth on his child. No daddy wants to hear you talk bad. You want to see Sonia Dixon get sideways? Say something unkind about Marcus. Let's see how that works out good for you. Just get up on her real quick and say, let me just tell you everything I don't like about your baby boy. Is that a long conversation? That ain't a long You better get to stepping. And say something kind before you leave. God don't want us talking bad about his children. But if we evaluate others from a human standpoint, listen, there's no other option. There's no other option. Y'all realize that the, the person that is, and I've said it before, uh, the, the person, and I don't just say this because she signs my check, even though she signs my check. I found those checks, by the way. I didn't know where my paychecks had gone to. Uh, but praise the Lord, it's like new money now. You, you, you find a check you didn't know you had. Uh, but I don't just say this because she signs my check. The person that has loved me most, uh, most faithfully and honestly and, and, and in reality is my big sister. And no, nobody's cared for me in my life the way that she has. Uh, and uh, and she's, she's a kind, loving, hardworking woman. And you know that about her. But let me tell you some things about big sister. She got a whole lot of mama bear in her, too. She got her own level of, 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 you know, that's enough. She got her own level of humanity, and we all do. Doesn't matter how wonderful you are. It doesn't matter how wonderful you think other people are. Do you realize you get two steps sideways up, and they all still might put a knife in your neck? (laughs) Not physically, but they'll be thinking about it. If you view, see, here's what we do in church. We, we look at somebody, and, and, and we, we think, well, well, that family, they must really love the Lord because they, they, they come in early all the time. Uh, that family, they don't even want to be here because they show up late. Now, are we evaluating them from a human viewpoint, or are we evaluating them from a godly viewpoint? Oh, that, that, that person over there, they must really love the Lord. They, they must be so super spiritual uh, because they're always smiling. Is that a human evaluation or is that a, is that a godly evaluation? Oh, that person must really love the Lord because they're outgoing and friendly. Do you see how easy it is in a church setting to look at other people and evaluate them from a human standpoint? And, and, and the scripture says... We have stopped evaluating others. Now, listen, this is Paul talking about the apostles. He ain't talking about the people at Abundant Life. Because this is sure enough God's plan, but y'all know there's still a whole lot of human evaluation. 
Listen, I thank God. Here's the reality. You, can't, you won't even hear most people say this in America today, you know, because white people are supposed to be hiding under rocks, scared of being white and ashamed. I, I thank God uh, that God made me who I am. And I thank God for, for, for who I am and, and how, how I am. I thank God that I never felt an affinity. I don't see a white dude walking through an airport and give him a, a, a head nod. I don't know that dude. He might be there to rob me. He might be a terrorist. Might be a light-skinned terrorist uh, just coming there to do, do hot garbage. Uh, I, I don't see somebody who has the same shade of my skin, and, and I've, I've never walked up to a stranger and said, Yo, man, what's up? My brother. That's not my culture. My culture is like, let me hold my wallet real close. This dude's just standing close to me. He's trying to get in my pocket. We evaluate people on human qualities all the time. It don't take much, I promise you. Let somebody drive up. Now, there's probably a lot of truth to it. Everybody, everybody in this culture is mad at profiling. Let me tell you why they profile something. Because uh, a 30-year-old uh, Muslim man wearing a turban and a long robe is more likely to blow up a plane than a 75-year-old grandmother with a walker in front of her. Oh, Y'all don't like that reality? Let me tell you this, a Japanese person is more likely to be carrying an expensive camera in Disney World than somebody from Middleburg. Y'all still don't believe me? Don't, hey, don't, I didn't say it was good, bad, or indifferent. Listen, I'll tell you something, uh, a, a, a Jewish person is liable to have a few dollars in the bank. That Right? Isn't that right? Uh, listen, an Asian person... An uh, Asian kid, probably going to outscore my kids on standardized tests. It just, hey, listen, there's just some things that are put in place that, that you can't mess with. But we start putting all these things in such hard roles. You, you see somebody driving a truck. Uh, it's funny. We talked Wednesday night about everybody that drives a big old overpriced, expensive, good-looking, glorious uh, uh, truck ain't necessarily a redneck. Uh, and and a, me- a card-carrying member of the Klan, and Dina yelled out, I don't think Deacon Dixon is. <laughs> that brother got the best-looking truck in the parking lot. But we, we isolate and we evaluate and, and we, we look at people, and, 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 and here's the thing. It is wild. White people judge each other on their checkbook. Here's the thing. I, I've heard this. I can't say it because it ain't in my culture, but, but I've heard it too many times from Oprah on down to people in this church. Uh, black people criticize, judge each other on the their, on their depth of, of melanin. Is that right or wrong? Light skin, dark skin. Is, is that a human evaluation? You're looking at somebody and you're saying, they must be a good person because they look like me. They drive like me. They Listen, the scripture says that we have stopped. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. We ain't stopped enough. I hope you've stopped. If you haven't stopped some, you're outside of Christ. There's got to be some level of stopping. You, you've had to have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. If you only see the, the, the humanity, which is the frailty of, of humans, then, then, then you, you, you haven't understood the change that God makes. And, 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 and Paul even said, at one time, we, talking about the apostles, he said, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. 
People who are unsaved, they don't see Jesus as the glorious uh, resurrected Son of God. They don't see Jesus as God in the flesh. They don't see Jesus as divine. They don't see Jesus as the creator of heaven and earth. They just see him as a man. But he went on to say, with an exclamation point at the end, how different we know him now. See, eight people said amen. If you went from being lost to being saved, you see him different now. If you fell in love with him, you see him different now. And I promise you this, if we fall in love with God, we'll start seeing others different now. If we, st- if we fall in love with God and decide to die to ourselves and come alive to Christ and live only for him and not for ourselves, we will begin to, to view others in the proper way. And, and we can look at somebody and, 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 and Nancy can get frustrated uh, with, with, with Elder Jimmy driving her crazy sometimes and think, how long, God? When's he going to give up softball? He's, he's, he's 91 years old already, and he's out there playing still. Jimmy's like, oh, I'm playing better than I'm ever playing. I, 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 I just came back. I, I, I was 20 for 26. And, and, and in his mind, he's going to play forever. But everybody else is, how, how long? When's, when's he going to snap to and realize it? And, but here's the reality. We can evaluate people from a human standpoint, or we can say, you know what? He's saved and in his process just like I'm saved and in my process. And if you let God deal with other people, God can fix folk that we can't. Verse 17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. I I, want to tell you the third thing this morning. We're all new people. If you're saved, you're a new person. If you're saved, you went from who you were to who you've become. The old life passed away and a new life has begun. It doesn't say that we've become perfect, but we're in our new life. It doesn't say we've got it all figured out, but we're in our new life. It doesn't say, listen, when Jesus died and it wasn't going right for the apostles, when when they left everything, listen, Peter gave up a lucrative fishing business. Bible said he walked away from his nets. If you study the Gospels, you'll find out. When Peter, when Jesus told Peter to come follow me, he left. Then he went back to fishing. Then he left fishing and went followed Jesus. Then he went back to fishing again. But him and James and John, who were partners with Peter and Andrew, uh, there came a point where the Bible says they left, they, they, they left their nets and followed him. And that, that was a time where they really locked in. But after Jesus died and they were struggling, they didn't have a leader. They didn't know what was going to go on. They didn't understand everything. Peter told the rest of them, I'm going back to fishing. It's like, this ain't, this, this ain't all that I thought it was. I'm going back. Listen, all of us can go fishing. And I ain't talking about catching line. I'm talking about going back to do what you did before Christ. We're all new people, but that doesn't mean we're all perfect. None of us are perfect but Christ. But if you haven't understood that there's been a change in you since Jesus came into your heart, let me tell you something. Jesus did not save you. He changes everybody that he saves. That's why the Bible says if you're in Christ, you're a new person. I hope there are at least five people in the room that can honestly say, I'm a different person now than I was before I got saved. Verse 18 says, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I want you to see today, fourth thing, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. 
If you're a Christian, you have this ministry. Doesn't matter what your personality is. Doesn't matter what your spiritual gifting is. Doesn't matter what your natural talent is. If you are saved, you are part of the we. And scripture says we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18 again says, now all these things are from God. This is a God thing. If we could ever understand that Christianity is a God thing and not a pastor thing. That Christianity is a God thing and not just a local church thing. That Christianity is a God thing and not a us for no more thing. That Christianity is a God thing and not a me thing. Christianity is a God thing, not even a we thing. Everything we do comes from God. Everything we do is for God. Everything we are is about God if you understand real Christianity, now all these things are from God. And it goes on to say, verse 18, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Started with God, he's in the the process with God, and it ends with God. Uh, The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He saved us. We couldn't save ourselves. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. You can't be good enough to be saved. You can't, you can't beg God and, 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 and prove to God you deserve to be saved. Listen, he saved you because he wanted to. He loves you because he chose to. Hopefully you don't just love your children when they're perfect. Now it's easier to like them. Let me talk on this side because mine are over there. It's easier to get along with them when they're perfect. But children just aren't perfect enough. Children just aren't perfect enough. We got to love them all the time. And and all this is about God. And and God saved us when we didn't deserve saving. He loves us even when we fail him. And he's given us, who us? Sinful people. Christians who are still in their process people. Christians who fail all the time, people. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. I remember early in my Christianity, and I really thought, God, I mean, and I, I was right there. The devil had isolated me. I had learned more than most people in the church about the Bible. I was showing up more than anybody was showing up. I, I was involved in everything, and the devil had me isolated thinking, there ain't nobody in this whole church that memorized more scripture than me, and there wasn't. And I, I was thinking, there ain't nobody in this church that led more people to Christ than me. And there hadn't. I, that's, that's what I was doing. First year I got saved, I was just going out. What was I, was I not, Dina? I was just going out telling strength, going up basketball parks, go, going to playgrounds, go, go knocking on doors in apartment complexes, winning people to Christ every day in restaurants, praying with people on their knees. Leading, and, and the devil had isolated me. And maybe ain't nobody in this church doing half of what I'm doing. And I was proud in, 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 in what God had, had, had done, started the good work in my life. And I remember one time our pastor announced the title of his message. And the title of his message was, God Only Uses Backsliders. While he was praying, I was looking around. <laughs> what kind of weak back, milk toast, spineless, soft, watered down message am I about to hear up in here? What kind of lies is he about to tell? God don't use backsliders. The Bible says, and I'm thinking this all in my mind while he's praying. Backslider in his heart, heart be filled with his own ways. God, God's angry with the wicked all the day long. I, I'm thinking, these unsanctified people about to have an excuse for living shabby. And I, and I started to get up, but he cut his prayer off. And I thought, 
stuck now. Because that was back in the day where you had to be like this to get out, and I didn't feel like doing that. So I sat there thinking, huh, all these backsliders in this church about to hear this man twist the Bible and make them think God will use them in their backslidden ways. This, this, this ought to be a hoot. I'm one year in Christ. Got it all figured out. Know it all. Better than everybody. And as he began to preach and expound on the truth, God began to melt my pride. And as he told the truth and he pointed out the reality that we're all backsliders at some point in life, that none of us are perfect. And if God was to only use perfect people, he wouldn't have anybody to use. And there are no perfect preachers. There are no perfect people. There are no, there are no perfect saints. We, 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 we all have our own issues. But even this issue field, and I think about it a lot. I think, you know what? God sure could have created a, a, a type of being to do a better job serving him than us. Let me make it more personal so y'all so won't be so bitter. God could have picked somebody way better than me, way more together than me. Way, way less prone to, 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 to failing than me. And, and, and I think, man, uh, he, 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 he puts all this work on this group of imperfect people. But then he reminds me what he says in the Scripture. He wants the glory for himself. If we were all that and we accomplished something, then we could say we did it on our own. But God chose the lesser things of the world, the foolish things, the frail things, the broken things, the messed up things, the jacked up things, the, 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 the wounded things. And he puts his glory in them and so that the glory can be to God. And he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. I want to tell you something. Here's what your job is. Go out and let everybody know. That God loves them. That they can be made right with God. Go out and let everybody you know, your friend, your enemy, the person that loves you, the person that hates you, the person that cares for you, the person that wrongs you. It's your job to put the world together with God. It's your job. It's your ministry. It's your calling to go out and reconcile others to God. He said he's given us this ministry of reconciliation verse 19 says for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation you see the ministry has to have a message the ministry of reconciliation has the message of reconciliation and this is the message of reconciliation that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself the world won't come to God by means of effective churchism. The world won't come to God by means of effective promotion and production in church. The world will not come to God and find true salvation because of carefully plotted schemes and strategies that churches put together to, to draw more people to sit in the seats. The people, lost people can only come to God through Christ. God was in Christ reconciling, bringing the world to him by himself. I want to tell you something. It's all about God. But he allows us to participate if we will. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. I could take that one phrase out of the middle of that screen and preach a series on it if I was a series preacher. No longer counting people's sins against them. We call ourselves Christians. We're supposed to be like who? Christ is God. 
God no longer counts people's sins against them. Here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. Put your sin counter away. Throw it away. Be done with it. Stop, stop. Now, not a great movie. I don't recommend it for spiritual purposes, but y'all know Tyler Perry's funny. Y'all, y'all, y'all all, not all of y'all, 90 of y'all didn't see it. Everybody else saw Diary of a Mad Black Woman. And two white people in the back of the room raised their hand. Thank you. Uh, well, let's just don't, let's just don't put them out on Main Street. How many people, how many people saw the movie? Y'all don't want to tell the truth. Listen, Medea got that little girl in there, and, she, and, and, and she's like, did you cook for him? She got a little calculator. <laughs> Did you wash his clothes? <laughs> she said a few other things I won't repeat. <laughs> and she's just banging the calculator on how much this man owes her. And she's like, oh, we're going to go get our money. Oh, we're going to go get our money. Y'all remember? Listen, you're doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. You do it inside your relationships. <laughs> You do it inside your ministry. You're just counting up, counting up, counting up. You're just, to- you're just adding a total up. You're counting people's sins against them. And God says that we shouldn't do this. We, we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. God stopped counting people's sins against them. And the Bible says he's given us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Here's what the message is. God will forgive you of all your sins, and he won't hold you to that anymore. He loves you, and he provided a way through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for you to go to heaven anyhow. There are people in this room that are going to judge you. And, and I want to go back to those first two words we started with. Either way, God loves me. There are people in this room that will criticize you. Listen, either way, God's got a ministry for you. None of us are qualified and deserve God serving in ministry. I took, I took a job. Y'all know I work outside the church because uh, I don't want the, the church to have to provide everything for me. So we can continue to do ministry. I took a job. It's a demanding job. It's a corporate job. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's, got, uh, it's got a lot of things. I, I told my sister and my children this week, this is only the second job I've ever had that I didn't feel qualified for. It's only the second job I ever had that I felt like was beyond my capability. This is only the second job I ever had. And, and, and they weren't thinking with their spiritual eyes on. They're like, well, what, 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 what was the other job? Like this one, pastoring this church. I'm not qualified to do that. I don't. I'm not. It's not in my in my capability. It, and I said, just like God has to come through for me to have any effectiveness as a pastor, God's gonna have to come through for me. Listen, they done laid this vice president uh, title on me, and I'm like, man, I got to figure out how to do vice president stuff. But here's the reality. It's not about how much you can count against someone. It's about letting them know God can take you from where you are and set your feet on a solid rock. He can pick you up out of the miry clay and wash you clean and set you up and say, I love you. And I got a ministry for you. This message of reconciliation says, don't matter who you are, what you've done, or how nasty you've been. God's love for you is supreme. 
He doesn't want to count your sins against you anymore. See, that's the great, that's the great uh, eye-opener of coming to Christ. That's why people say, oh, I just wish I could be as happy as I was when I first got saved. Let me tell you why we're happy when we first got saved. Because we don't stink no more. Because we don't have that stain on us. We, we, we felt clean for the first time in the presence of a holy God, and it was amazing. I want to tell you something. doesn't matter how much stumble, how much fall you've done since you came to Christ. I got a news flash for you. Extra, extra. Read all about it. If you're saved, you're still clean in God's presence. If you're saved, He still sees you as the child that He loves. If you're saved, it's not because you live perfect. It's because He's perfect. Fifth thing, we're his ambassadors. Jacob is about to go into, let me call him Jake because he, he, don't, he don't like Jacob. So let me just say, Jake is about to go. I named him Jacob. I call him what I want to. Jacob is about to go into the Marine Corps, and, and he picked his job, and he, he, wa- he wants to be that, that roughneck standing in front of embassies in some desert that they want to blow up the embassy and burn it down and throw rocks at him. Uh, so he picked an uh, embassy guard, and he's going to go uh, li- live in a, in, a, in a foxhole somewhere for the next five years, and, and he's about to go off um, later this month and, and, and learn how to be an embassy guard. And, and inside that embassy, there's a person that they're guarding. Anybody want to know what that person's title is? What is it? Ambassador. Inside that embassy is an ambassador. And we put these embassies in every country in the world. And we have ambassadors in every country in the world. And the ambassador's job is not to go over there and flex out about who he or she is. The ambassador's job is not to go over there and and, and tell the people in Afghanistan, our ambassador to Afghanistan is not to go over there and say, well, here's what I think. And this is what I'd like to see happen. No, the ambassador's job is only to represent our government and what our government wants. It's, it's, not, it's not a this is my idea thing. The ambassador is there to represent the king. And the Bible says that we are his ambassadors. Verse 20 says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, here's what's funny. Now, you need to read the Bible and pay attention. He said he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He said he's given us the message of reconciliation. And now, after the fact, he's begging folk that has got a ministry and a message to be reconciled to God, their own self. Y'all didn't get it. You got a ministry. You've been, you, 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 you've been given this message and this ministry. And then he backs that up and says, oh, Let's don't forget this part. You you, you need to be reconciled to God too. Now, they've already been reconciled to God through salvation. But here's what the scripture teaches. You can't be right with God and wrong with others. You can't be right with God and, 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 and hating people. You can't be right with God and angry at other folk. So he's saying, look, you're his ambassador. Listen, you got to get right with the king. You got to get right with the staff. You got to get right with the Joint Chief. You got to get right with the Department of Defense. You got to get right with the Secretary of the Interior. The ambassador's got a whole lot of getting right and getting along. Well, I ain't about to do all that. 
Me and God, I'm all right with God. I don't have to be all right. No, 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 no. That's not ambassador-level That's not ambassador level work. You can't be a, a proper ambassador for the king going around bickering about the staff publicly, going around hard-feeling about the Secretary of Labor and Interior. You can't be, you can't be a, a, a proper ambassador going around with all that animosity. And the Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Whether you like it or not, you're his ambassador. You represent his kingdom to the world. You represent his thoughts everywhere you go. You represent who he is, not who you are. You are his representative, whether good or bad. Because every ambassador don't shine favorably on the king. But they should. And it says, as though God were making an appeal through us, and as if God is making this appeal to you today through me, I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Get right with God, ambassador. Get right with God, Christian. I'm already right with God. Eh, the same God you say you're right with said to love people. Stop evaluating others on, on human evaluation. Stop living for you. Last thing I want to tell you, number, uh, number six, li listen to what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He, talking about God, made him talking about Jesus. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Last thing I want you to know this morning, if you're right with God, we're only right with God because of Him. We're only right with God because of God. We're only right with God because He chose to put the pain on His Son. We're only right with God, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything He's done. We're only right with God, not because we deserve a, a chair at His table, but because Jesus paid the price so we could sit at His table. God made Jesus to be sin on our behalf. A different translation, and I'm done, of that same verse 21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Two people on this stage right now, I pick on both of them. I pick on me to let you know that God can use imperfect people. I pick on Judy too. God made Jesus, who never sinned, to be the offering for Judy's sin. So that she could be made right with God. That same God made Jesus to be the offering for Scott Becker's sin. So Scott Becker could be made right with God. Now, I could look at Judy and think, hmm. Some things I'd like to see made different, though. I'd like to see her. Uh, what about, and she could look at me and say the same thing. Or I could look at her and say the same God that died for me died for her. The same God that forgave me of my sins forgave her. The same God that, that it is sanctifying me is sanctifying her. But I just don't think so-and-so is coming along at the right time frame. Listen, neither are you. None of us are. But he's patient, and he's kind, and he's loving, and he's gracious. He cares about his children. And he sees us as, listen, accepted into his family. And everything's right when you hide behind daddy.
Everything's right when you know Daddy is there. Scripture tells us we don't live for ourselves anymore. We shouldn't work on that. The Scripture tells us we need to be careful how we view each other. If, 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 I, if I, Judy's up here, it could be anybody. If I, if I only look at Judy for whether or not she's perfect as to whether or not I believe that I ought to respect her and love her and, and minister with her, then she's out of gas. She can't live up to that level. If she looks at me and, 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 and through human evaluation and decides only if he's perfect and I agree with everything he says, can I, can I love him and do ministry, then I'm out of gas. The devil wants us to evaluate each other through human eyes and not through the eyes of the Father. we got to understand we're all new people. And we're all becoming who God destined us to be. But we're not there yet. we got to understand that He's given us all the ministry of reconciliation, that we got to go out and reconcile the world to God. we got to go out and tell the world that God is love and He's kind and He's good and He wants them to be saved. Because we're His ambassadors. He could have picked better. But he picked you. He could have picked better, but he picked me. He could have created angelic beings to serve him in perfection. But he chose to pick us. Listen, because when we fail and we ask him to forgive us, he doesn't. And like a good parent, just tells us, I love you anyway. And you're going to fail again. But just talk to me. Let's work it out. I'm your father. Let's, let's go through this together. We got to start seeing things the way God sees things. And we got to understand last that we're only right with God because of him. If you're here in this room and you're not right with God, it's not because you drink too much or because you're a whoremonger. It's not because you lie, you cheat, you steal. It's not because you're not a good person. It's not because any of those symptomatic things. It's not because you're hooked on drugs. It's not because you, you, you don't read your Bible. If you're here and you're not right with God, you're not right with God because you haven't applied the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross to your life personally. You haven't received the sin offering that he made for you. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to believe that Jesus Christ paid for your sins, and you got to confess him as your Lord. That's the simple ABCs of salvation. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again, and confess that you need him and that he is your Lord, and God will save you. If you're here and you're not saved today, I'm not going to ask you to come down this aisle and pray with anybody today. I don't believe that today's the day for that. You can get saved right where you are. If you just ask God to forgive you of your sins and to save you, he'll do it. He said if you search for him with your whole heart, that you'll find him. If you're here and you are saved, I need you to get on board. Stop counting people's sins against them. Stop evaluating people. The, what, what, one, one version says, stop trying to know people after the flesh. Stop judging people with fleshly judgment and, 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 and receive them through the spiritual reality. That they're just, listen, if you're saved, you're just as much God's child as I am. And you're just as accepted by him as I am. As Paul was. We're right with God because of God. Never forget that. Because here's, that, here's what that'll do. And this is what I wanted to do in my life. And this is what I want to do in your life. If you realize you're only right with God because of God, you'll be more humble. It's not what we did. 
It's what he did. It's not what we are. It's who he is. It's not how we perform. It's the sacrifice that he made. Not only will it make you more humble, it'll make you more thankful. I wonder if you realize the truth of what I say all the time that I feel so deeply. He loves me when he didn't have to. And he saved me when I wasn't worth saving. And he keeps me when he could have thrown me away. Do you know that much? If you know that much, you're ready to go out and be his ambassador. If you know that he loves you in spite of you, then you're on the right track theologically. If you understand that he saved you when you weren't worth saving, then you understand the message of the cross. And if you understand that he keeps you when he could have thrown you away, that ought to make you humble, and that make, ought to make you be thankful and want to serve a God. Listen, who wouldn't love a God like that? He's loving, he's gracious, he's merciful, he's all kind. And he gave us a ministry. And we need to go out. We need to get right with God. We need to get right with each other. And we need to go out and operate in this ministry of reconciling the world to God. Lost people can't lead lost people to Jesus. The Bible says if blind lead the blind, they both fall in the ditch. We got to go out and be a shining light. Problem is, we let mud get on our headlights. We let our lens cap get covered with filth and stain. But God said, if we'll confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can leave here today perfectly clean with God. If you're lost, you just need to ask God to save you. If you're saved, you just need to ask God to forgive you, cleanse you, set your mind right. And let's be all that he's called us to be. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for the ministry of reconciliation. And thank you for reconciling us to you by yourself. Thank you, God, for paying the price for our sin. Thank you, God, for paying the price for our reconciliation. God, I pray that you'd help us to stop evaluating each other based on human measure. I pray that you'd help us to to truly be the new people that you've created us to be. God, I pray that you would let us represent you properly and be ambassadors that would make the world know that the one true and living king is worth worshiping and serving forever. We love you and we choose you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.